In Scotland, when friends get together, they blether. When these three friends happen to be Scottish Blue Badge tourist guides, you can be sure that the country that they're so passionate about will be right at the heart of their discussions, be it contemporary or historical, culinary or cultural, reminiscence or anecdote. From accommodation to zoos, the chat will range right across the entire alphabet of topics and issues that are live and happening in Scotland right now. We hope that you'll join us. There's nothing to beat a recht good blether. And you could also join in our blethers on social media. You can find us as at Scottish Blethers on both Facebook and Instagram. We post additional content during the week that supports the podcast episode. We love making the podcast and would love it if you could share them with your friends and leave a review on the platform of your choice. And welcome to episode 28 of Scottish Blethers. And there's something funny, Helen, there's something missing. Oh yes, I know, there's only the two of us today, Liz. Susan is taking some time out. She is, and so we're holding the fort here. And the two of us will blether even more so than normal. But we're going to hold the fort and we've got some interesting topics for you today. So what are you going to be talking about today, Helen? Well, I'm going to be talking about Scottish cakes. Just wondering why it is we seem to be obsessed with Scottish cakes. Well, that's a good topic. I'm going to be talking about Tunnock's tea cakes, keeping the theme of cakes going, because this week we've been obsessed by tea. If you remember last week, it was Susan's topic was Scottish tea. And I think you've been talking about tea this week as well, Helen. Yes, we've had a very successful evening on Thursday with afternoon tea with Helen at Scottish Blethers, where we did a free virtual tour, if you like, for our loyal friends and followers. And I think it went down quite successfully. It did. We got some lovely comments back and it's good to see the numbers growing. I don't know whether it was free. I think it was because of the quality of your virtual tours, Helen. But we were up to nearly 30 people at that, so we're growing. And we did another one this week, which was a private tour, which was a virtual tour of Iona. And I loved doing that one because it's so long since I've been to Iona. So if anybody out there has any requests for anything that they would like us to do, then as I say, we're now doing the virtual tours as well as the podcasts. It's a busy life. And I think, Liz, maybe adding to that, we should say that the virtual tour, the private virtual tour we did of Iona was for a group who were booked to go to Iona this year and have had to postpone it to next year because of COVID. So therefore, if anybody out there has groups who are disappointed they can't travel to Scotland this year and you want to give them a little taster of what life will be like if they come to Scotland, we'd be very happy to do a virtual tour for you. I feel their pain. I'm really missing the travel, which I know. is why we enjoyed doing it so much. But I did get my vaccine this week, Helen. I got my first jab. Oh, that's good. Well, that's both of us had our first one. I should be getting my second one in the next couple of weeks, I hope. So hopefully it won't be too long before we're back out on the road again. But in the meantime, virtual travel. So let's get going with episode 28. And I'll kick it off with the Tunnock's Tea Cakes. So when it comes to Scottish icons, my topic for today is right up there with haggis and iron brew. The Tunnock's tea cake. But the eternal question, is it a cake 
or is it a biscuit? When Glasgow hosted the Commonwealth Games in 2014, the opening ceremony was choreographed by David Zolkwer and it attempted to emulate what Danny Boyle had done for the London Olympics in 2012 with a huge budget. While Susan Boyle's rendition of Mull of Kintyre, or a duet from Scottish Ballet dancing to the Proclaimers 500 Miles, might not have set the heather on fire for everyone, critics were generally agreed that there were moments of pure dead brilliance. And one such moment was the appearance of huge dancing tunnocks tea cakes, a sight to gladden many a heart across the globe. And sales of tea cakes are reported to have increased by 62% immediately after the ceremony. I always joke with my tour group that the person who benefits most from their tour of Scotland is their dentist, because by the time they leave me, I've given them the Scottish sweet tooth, an addiction to many treats, but in particular to Tunnock's confections. Thomas Tunnock Limited, or Tunnock's as they're affectionately known, is a bakery in Uddingston, Lanarkshire in the west of Scotland, with the distinction of being one of Scotland's oldest family-run businesses. Started by Thomas Tunnock in 1890, it's now headed by his 88-year-old grandson, Boyd Tunnock, who in 2013 welcomed his own grandson, Stuart, into the company as the fifth generation. Now, I love researching my topics for Scottish blethers, but preparation for this was just something special. Please, listeners, go to the Tunnock's website at www.tunnock.com dot co dot uk that's t-u-n-n-o-c-k dot co dot uk and have a read of their website it's just like browsing through a family album as it charts the milestones of the company and on it you'll find a video of boyd produced to mark the 120th anniversary of the company in 2010 and if you listen to it it's just like being enveloped in a huge hug for me, it encapsulates all that's best about the people of Scotland, particularly the West, in its warmth and its humour. So go have a listen to it, it's well worth it. So what is a tea cake and how did it come about? A tea cake is a biscuit base with a layer of Italian meringue coated in the company's own chocolate. Oh, lovely. The tea cake is then wrapped <laughs> in its trademark silver foil with red and silver to denote milk chocolate and more recently, blue and gold for dark chocolate. When the tea cake was first produced in 1956, it wasn't the first to come out of the Tunnock stable. In the early 50s, Tunnock's bakeries were providing catering, or purvies as we call them in Scotland, at local functions. <laughs> With sugar and fat rationing after World War II, it was difficult to ensure supplies of ingredients for cakes. And so Archie Tunnock, son of Thomas, realised that he had to make something that had a longer shelf life than a cake. He bought a dozen dry wafers and taught himself how to make caramel and chocolate and he sandwiched them all together and the famous Tunnock's caramel wafer was born. This was followed by the snowball, a ball of Italian meringue coated in chocolate and desiccated coconut in 1955 and then the caramel log, a twist on the caramel wafer but with the chocolate dipped in toasted coconut. But it was Boyd who created the tea cake, and it's become their flagship for the brand. The company's turnover now exceeds well over 60 million, and with its characteristic dome shape with trademark silver foil, the tea cake has taken on legendary status all over the world. It's a Scottish national treasure. In 2010, 
a visit to Scotland by American astronaut Charlie Duke, who was the 10th man to walk on the moon, was paid for by Tunnocks because the parachutes on Apollo 16 looked like tea cake wrappers. Go and check it out. <laughs> Retired RAF bomber pilot Tony Kinane tells of how Tunnock's tea cakes became a favourite snack of the nuclear deterrent flight crews based at RAF Gaydon, especially after they discovered that they expanded at high altitude. But all this came to a sticky end after one of the tea cakes was left unwrapped and it exploded all over the instrument panel. <laughs> the Tunnock's brand is loved by customers all over the world and ex- exports continue to grow due in no small part to the fact that you can now order your tea cakes online and have them shipped. They remain just as popular at home, where Scots are passionate about their tea cakes, and a visit to the Tunnock's factory is very popular outing for every group from Cub Scouts to Women's Guilds, due in no small part to the huge carrier bag of goodies that you get at the end. The tour is so popular, in fact, that there's a two-year waiting list to get on it. Oh, my goodness. A whole range of celebrities, including actress Andy McDowell and Coldplay's frontman Chris Martin, endorsed tea cakes as their favourite snack, and they're in good company. In 2019, when Boyd Tunnock was knighted by the Queen at Buckingham Palace for his services to business and charity, she let it be known that she too was a big fan. So the question remains, is it a cake or is it a biscuit? A legal wrangle lasting almost 20 years eventually answered this question, when for tax purposes it was adjudged to be a cake rather than a biscuit and therefore not liable for VAT, value-added tax. But there's another even more thorny question that remains and it's open to your own interpretation. Is a tea cake Scottish or is it British? Scottish hackles were raised when Tunnock's invested in a series of billboard adverts on the London Underground, and some disgruntled Scot reported that the Scottish lion rampant was missing from the wrapper. After a storm of protest on social media, which Tunnock's milked for all the publicity it was worth, it was pointed out that the lion was still there, but on the box where it had always been, and not on the wrapper. Boyd Tunnock himself is well known for his support of the union and backed the no campaign at the 2015 referendum, so there's no doubt about his verdict. It's British. Regardless of political standpoint, as you'd expect from a company with a reputation for treating their workforce as family, Tunnock's handling of the COVID challenge has been exemplary. After looking at the government requirements for social distancing in 2020, they decided that they weren't able to comply and they took the decision to close the factory in Addingston. But they would pay their workers 90% of their wages to keep them safe and healthy. They issued the statement, Sometimes a hard decision for your family is the right one for everyone else's. A sentiment to be proud of, I think, Helen. Oh, that's very, very good. Yes, very true. And I was laughing or smiling at the story about the London Underground and the missing lion of the rappers. I happened to be listening to the radio on the day it all kind of exploded, if you like. (laughs) Like the tea cake. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Boyd Tanakh was on a chat show on the radio where they were saying in a very kind of, you know, snidey way, the interviewer was saying, and, you know, what about this having to take the lion off the tea cakes in order to attract the English market? 
And Boyd kind of explained, just as you did, Liz, the line had never been on the tea cake wrapper itself. It was always on the box. And the interviewer said, you, you've had a double page spread, the Telegraph, about all this. You, you've not done it, but the Telegraph have chosen to do it. And Boyd Teacake said, I'm delighted. He said, I could not okay. afford marketing like that. A double page spread in the most prestigious paper in the UK. <laughs> That's wonderful. He's very tongue in cheek. He's got a brilliant sense of humour. And he's very down to earth. I just love him. But one thing, Liz, that, that you didn't say that I heard that there's a thing called a tunnock on the summit. Oh, I didn't know that. And this is among those people who go out Monroe bagging. Or, yes, I think it's, it's either Monroe's or Donald's. I can't remember which one. But anyway, there is a tradition has been going for about 30 years or more that when you reach the summit of your of the hill that you're climbing, you have a tunnock and you celebrate with a tunnock's tea cake. Excellent. So the tunnock on the summit is something. I think you can find that online as well. I didn't know that one, but I did know that at St Andrews University and probably other universities as well, there's a Tunnock Tea Cake Appreciation Society. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and, you know, the number of Tunnock's Tea Cake challenges that go on of all sorts. I mean, there's the Guinness Book of World Records, where the largest number of Tunnock's Tea Cakes eaten in one minute is apparently 47. So you work with a partner, one of the you unwraps it, the other one eats them. So there's that <laughs> challenge. But there's another one that, that's a more recent one within the last couple of years, and that is in colleges. So this will be of interest to you, Helen, where it's food preparation courses. And of course, while they're doing food studies and food science and whatever, the students have to learn how to present the food. So one enterprising lecturer had developed a challenge where she got her students to produce a plate where the only component of the plate was a tea cake but it was decorated attractively for serving and plating the food. And this caught on and it's now become a part of the curriculum. And so Tunnock's heard about this and they've backed it and they've um, awarded prizes and whatever. So they really get behind charity. They, they are very big on and that's why he got his OBE. Yes. And I've also heard that Boyd Tunnock will always have a great big box of tea cakes or Tunnock's biscuits in the boot of his car. And so wherever he's visiting... There will always be tea cakes or caramel wafers to be handed out. Yeah, they're very generous. I know that he's a big Robert Burns fan and he gave a lot of money when they were establishing the new visitor centre for Robert Burns. Um, he was a, a major patron supporting that. And he also supported the lifeboat, I'm trying to remember where it was. But it had been there for, you know, for, for years and years and due to cuts, they were due to lose it. But he supported I'll, I'll put it in on the on the social media, but he supported it. And they now have a, a lifeboat there called Tunnock's Tea Cake. Oh, that's wonderful. And I think that one of the things that I always do, Liz, and I'm sure you do as well, is when you're taking a tour around Scotland, somewhere at some time, you will be handing out Tunnock's Tea Cakes and Tunnock's Caramel Wafers. Absolutely. And you'll probably find that the driver will say, the tea cakes must be eaten outside. <laughs> In case they explode as we go up the That's mountains right, and it's yes. high altitude. <laughs> yes. So, well, we'll move on a bit now, Liz, shall we? And we'll move into different types of cakes, but that doesn't stop us blethering afterwards about continuing in the cake theme. So as we mentioned earlier, we did a virtual afternoon tea last week and that got me thinking about our obsession with cakes in Scotland. Because almost always at afternoon tea, 
there is a tea cake, not a tunnock's tea cake as such, but a tea cake, like a fruit cake. And one of my favourites is Dundee cake. It's a traditional Dundee cake, clearly comes from Dundee. And the cake is very distinctive alongside other fruit cakes in that it has on the top of it a circle, almost like a maze of blanched almonds, just concentric circles going round on the top of the cake. The cake was originally made for Mary Queen of Scots in the 16th century. Legend has it that she didn't like cherries, which were the traditional in fruit cakes at the time. Local bakers made a version with almonds instead of cherries, decorating the top in a beautiful fashion with the concentric circles of almonds, as I said. In the early 19th century, Janet Keeler created the distinctive all-butter sultana cake flavoured with her own candied orange peel and topped with whole blanched Spanish almonds. Janet Keeler, as some of you will know, is the person credited with putting marmalade onto the market. She developed the chip method of making Seville orange marmalade. And it is in the Keeler family archive that proof exists of Dundee's claim to be the home of both marmalade and Dundee cake became a Dundee favourite, hand-baked by those wanting to serve up the finest cake with luxurious, rich ingredients. And this happened in the early 19th century. And by the late 1900s, keelers of Dundee marmalade and cake had become a, a standard at breakfast tables and cake stands in every corner of the UK and beyond. Many versions of Dundee cake are around, but a pure, true version of the cake will include the zest of an orange and thus linking the marmalade making in the town of its birth, Dundee. And it is said, just as you said, Liz, that Queen Elizabeth liked tea cakes, she is said to favour Dundee cake at tea time. But another favourite of mine is whiskey cake. Fruit cakes are popular in the UK and in this particular Scottish twist is the whisky cake, a rich fruit cake with the opulent taste of Scottish finest single malt whisky. Baking with alcohol isn't new. We've been doing it for years and years and years. Whisky, rum, cognac have all been used to flavour and preserve baking for centuries. And during baking at high temperature, most of the alcohol evaporates. But the rounded, delicious taste of whisky still remains, creating a decadent and lavish treat. And what about Kirimuir gingerbread? Kirimuir gingerbread was originally created in the town of Kirimuir, which is actually not too far away from Dundee, by a baker named Walter Burnett. Legend has it that a traveller who was passing through the village helped the baker Walter Burnett to create the first ever gingerbread. But it's more likely that Walter created the product baked on a family recipe. Maybe the traveller added the ginger. The town of Kirimuir has its own legend, best known as the birthplace of the author and playwright J.M. Barry. Barry wrote throughout his life, but of course he's best known for his creation of Peter Pan, the boy who never grew up. One of Barry's earlier books was a collection of his mother's stories about the village, which he then renamed Thrums. The ironic gingerbread wrap packing features a picture of the house in Kirimuir and the window in Thrums is the name of the book that J.M. Barry wrote at that time. 
Currymuir's not far from Dundee, as I said, so I like to think that the people in that part of Scotland helped us to develop our love of cake. And while we're on the subject of bakers close to Dundee, an absolute must is Fisher and Donaldson. Now you're talking. (laughs) And a bit like Tunnock's, it's now in its fifth generation. It's been in the Milne family since the beginning, and it took its name from Willie Fisher and David Donaldson, who were family members, brothers-in-law. And they launched their bakery in Cooper in Fife in 1919. And the family business has seven shops at the moment and cafes in St Andrews, Cooper and Dundee, of course. And my favourite from there are their chocolate violets. My Aunt Helen would bring these when she came to visit from Dundee. We were six in the family, so we had one each from the box of six. Happy days. They also do a very mean fudge donut, mm. as you probably do know, Liz. Yes, I know that well. So these are a few of my favourite cakes. So, Liz, let's just talk cake for a bit. Well, I'm just drooling over the fudge donut cell. I mean, anybody who goes to St Andrews must call into Fisher and, and Donaldson's. I actually, I mean, to eat a whole fudge donut is beyond even me. I couldn't do it. And so I quarter them. So when I first went in and with tour groups, you know, there's usually about 24, 26 in the group. So it was buying seven of these and asking the lady to quarter them. And at first, you know, it was, oh, you know, but now she knows me well and she just cuts them up for me. And a quarter is about as much as you can take in one go. So absolutely love the donut. And more than enough to get the fabulous taste. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking there as you were talking about Dundee and the rich fruitcakes, another one is the black bun, a traditional Scottish cake. Gosh, that's very rich, isn't it? It is. So for those that haven't experienced it, a black bun is a very, very rich, treacly, in fact, you know, it's it's a Mm. very full of fruit, very dark in colour fruitcake, but then it's wrapped in short crust pastry, encased in pastry. So traditionally given at New Year, when you go first footing, which is a tradition in Scotland that you're the first person to visit your neighbour and cross their threshold, you can't go empty handed. So you have a lump of coal for the hearth, you have a bottle of whiskey, obviously, and uh, you carry some sort of food, either shortbread or traditionally a black bun. Yeah, and it's really, when you look at it, you just don't think there's anything other than fruit in there. It's just fantastic. And the other one, Along similar lines, but not not as rich, is the Selkirk Bannock. Yes. You know, that's a rich fruit bread, and it's made with butter and lots and lots of sultanas. Yep. And the other one, Liz, again, you've got the Echofechen tart. Oh, yes. Or the if border you can tart. It, if you can walk into a baker's and order <laughs> it, you're doing well. <laughs> yes. That's the speciality of the border. So if ever you're travelling down that way, go in and ask for an, an Echofechen tart. And that should be, again, rich with fruit. The other one, Liz, that we we talked about earlier before we came, we came on to this afternoon was school cake. Now, I don't know if any of you out there remember what school cake was. It was basically a sponge cake iced with water icing, sprinkled with hundreds and thousands, you know, lots of little coloured beads. And it was cut into squares and served in a plate and sometimes served with custard, just known as school cake. 
I remember it from school dinners because in, at school dinners you used to get the big tray. You were at tables and at each table there was about 10 of you at a table and somebody was at the head of the table and it was their job to go up and get the trays and bring them back. So you got a tray of sponge with the hundreds and thousands and then somebody else got the jug of custard and the custard had been sitting so long that it had a skin <laughs> on the top of it that was about an inch thick and that everybody used to go, oh, don't give me the skin. <laughs> And if you forgot and you tried to pour it out, the first plate just got this great dollop <laughs> of skin. <laughs> and you got shouted at. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, but these these are just fantastic cakes and, of course, meringues, of course. Now, there's a cafe, a restaurant at South Queen's Ferry who has the most delicious cakes, but they have meringues that are about the size of dinner plates. And I keep meaning to go there just for a coffee and a meringue because there's a bit like the fudge donuts, Liz. There's no way you could eat anything else all day once you had one of these fabulous meringues. Now, I said I wouldn't do any more jokes, but I can't resist telling. You heard about the boy that went into that shop and he said, is that an eclair or a meringue? And the shopkeeper said, no, you're right. It's an eclair. <laughs> yes. Work it out, I people. love that one. <laughs> That brings us to the word of the week, yeah. Liz, have you got a word? Well, I went from a COVID vaccination this week and uh, people have been given mixed reports as to how they felt after. I know that you, Helen, you, you were absolutely fine, weren't you? I was totally fine. I had no ill effects at all. Well, I had it in the morning and by the evening I felt really unwell. Um, I was aching, I was shivery, I had a temperature, but above all else, my head was stooning. Now, stooning is what happens to your thumb when you hit it with a hammer, you know, that oh. throbbing pain. So that's a good old-fashioned word. It was stooning. Oh, that's a good word, yes. And I think the illustration of the thumb, <laughs> I could almost feel it on my thumb. I'm kind of holding my thumb <laughs> just in case. Well, my word is to do with cake making because sometimes your recipe will say, put all the dry ingredients into a bowl and mix. And we would say, just put them in the bowl and rumble them up, rumble them up. Just mix it all together. And so that's my word, rumble, R-U-M-M-L-E. It's when you go into the bottom of your handbag and you're rumbling about <laughs> for that yes. pain at the bottom or your diary or something like that. Well, I think we'll just call it a day for today. But just before we do go, just to remind you that you'll find us all on social media, we're on Facebook and we're on Instagram, at Scottish Blethers. We're also doing virtual tours, as many of you know. And on Thursday, the 8th of April, Liz will be taking us on a virtual tour of the island of Skye. Liz, is there anything you want to add on? Yeah, it's been enjoyable. I hope that our listeners continue to enjoy Scottish Blethers. We've got some interesting plans for the few weeks ahead while Susan's taking some downtime. And we're going to be introducing some friends who we know that are expert blethers. So watch out for exciting things or listen out for exciting things on Scottish Blethers podcast. Well, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you around, as they say. Bye for now. Bye. And there we have it, the end of another episode of Scottish Blethers. 